The Gospel of John, the 11th chapter. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Judeans who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Judeans said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that, you're, that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When Jesus had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning and grace and peace to you. Most of us love a good story. They're widely available and told in many different platforms and genres, from paperback mystery novels to the latest New York Times bestseller and hardback. We read stories on our phones, hear them through earbuds often read by the authors in audio versions. We see stories played out on the big screen, stage, and from the comfort of our own homes. I was reminded of how stories cross generations as I was walking through the book section at Costco the other day and saw a collection of classics, from Jane Austen to the Chronicles of Narnia, and then to the not-so-classic but humorous Diary of a Wimpy Kid series. But what caught my attention was when I came across the movie Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone last weekend and realized that the movie came out 20 years ago. And while the book series were introduced to young readers a few years before, that series of stories has been part of and is still part of many of the generations of youth and young adults here at St. Mark's along with their families. Often after Sunday school worship and youth group, I would find the books laying around or sometimes even encounter a student pretending that they had Harry's invisibility cloak on and I would bet some of you were characters from this series on Halloween as well. These stories of friendship, of good winning over evil, and of death not something to fear, but to remember those who have died are still with us. Has crossed generations as grandparents, parents, and students sit down together and read. But not all of our favorite stories come from books, movies, or plays. Some of these stories are passed down from generation to generation through the stories we hear from our grandparents and our parents. These are the stories from the ones we love and the ones who have gone before us that we remember here today. 
These are the stories we hold in our hearts, in our souls, and in our minds. They are the stories that we don't want to forget, and they are the ones we want to continue to pass on to the next generation. These are the stories that keep us connected to the saints who have gone before us and the ones that will come after us. Before the words of the Bible were written down, they were also passed on and told in the oral tradition. This practice of storytelling kept the promises of God alive and in the people's hearts. From the words of hope in Isaiah that we heard of what God will do for God's people, a promise that God will swallow up death forever and that God will wipe away every tear. And they have been passed down over the years. The writer of Revelation retells this promise too. For the people who are in need of a word of peace, who felt hopeless at times and sought to be reminded, like we do, that the story of God's love didn't end when Jesus rises from the dead. In Revelation 21, we hear, See, the home of God is among the mortals. God will dwell with them as their God. They will be God's people, and that very God will be with them. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And see, I am making all things new. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The story and the promises of God dwelling among God's people start at the beginning in the garden, at creation, and are told over and over again from generation to generation as they wander in the desert, cross the sea, fight giants, leave their home and follow their mother-in-law to a new land with a new God end up in a lion's den, birth the Son of God, are called to leave their nets and follow, and end up near the home of some beloved friends whose brother is dying. Our Gospel reading today starts in the middle of the story of the death of Lazarus. Before Mary came to Jesus and met him where he was, we hear this part of the story. We learn that Lazarus is very ill, and his sisters Mary and Martha send a message for Jesus to come quickly. But he waits, and he gives the disciples a glimpse of the purpose of why he does so, alluding to his own death and resurrection that is to come. You see, the story begins to reveal who Jesus really is, God dwelling among them. Finally, after four days, Jesus returns to Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and encounters Martha, who questions Jesus as to why he did not come sooner. Which then Jesus responds, Your brother will rise again, and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. I think it's important to hear the beginning of this story so we can understand the end a bit more clearly. Jesus still hasn't made it to the village when Mary shows up to meet him, and his response to her is different with the same statement as her sister. Mary says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then Jesus sees her weeping, and the people who followed her weeping, and he is greatly disturbed. Deeply moved, and then a fully human Jesus begins to weep. He takes a pause and then weeps for Lazarus. Maybe he's weeping for what he knows will become of himself 
and maybe he weeps for the reality of death in general. Jesus, God dwelling among them, weeps because Mary wept, because Martha wept, and because we do too. Jesus knows what death can bring and what death can do. Jesus weeps, and because of this, God feels our pain, our suffering, and God weeps on our behalf. In a sermon by ELCA pastor and public theologian Nadia Bowles-Weber, we are reminded that God is not impervious to the pain of death. After all, Jesus had real friends who died, and he stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and wept. And then, of course, he raised Lazarus from the grave. As though before Jesus was to defeat death for good, he needed to give it a good slap in the face first. God and Jesus was so moved by compassion and love for those who others rejected that his hand was ever extended to them. A God and Jesus who was so full of grace that he went to the cross we built for him. A God who in Jesus descended to the dead as though to say, even here, I will find you and will not let go because death has no sting. Death is rendered meaningless to a God of resurrection. And lest we forget, it is a God of resurrection we worship. Jesus raising Lazarus set the stage for what was to come next in the story, the and then. The and then the road to the cross gets set in motion. The Pharisees were told what he had done and in their fear and jealousy planned to put him to death. And maybe the whole story of raising of Lazarus is for us. For us to realize that resurrection is not just for our future promise or the end of the story, but it is also our present reality and we are part of the story. Close friend of Pastor Bowles Weber, Rachel Held Evans, wrote before her death in 2019 the book Inspired, Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again. In this book, she writes, Christians believe we live in the and and then after Jesus' resurrection and before his return. We live inside an unfinished story, a story that began with the Spirit of God hovering over the premortal waters at the beginning of time and which took a dramatic climatic turn 2,000 years ago when that same God became human, lived among us, and beat death once and for all. We share the story with Mary Magdalene and the Apostle Paul. We share it with St. Augustine and Julian of Norwich, Desmond Tutu and Lima Boe. We share it with the pastor who runs the soup kitchen out of the church basement and the first guy in line to eat there each week. She continues, the stories we tell with our lives then aren't meaningless absurdities, tragic in their brevity, but rather subplots of a grandeur narrative. Every moment charged with significance as we contribute our own riffs, soliloquies, and plot twists to the larger epic, the Holy Spirit coaxing us along with an ever ubulant and then. Held reminds us that Jesus invites us into a story that is bigger than ourselves, bigger than our culture, bigger than our own imagination, and yet we get to tell the story with scandalous particularity of our particular moment in place, in time. We are storyteller creatures because we are fashioned in the image of a storytelling God. May we never neglect the gift of that 
May we never lose our love for telling the tale. God is all part of our stories, dear friends. God dwells in and through us in each of our memories and in and through all of our day-to-day -day comings and goings. The stories of our lives and the promises of God through Scripture tell us something about ourselves and about God. These stories are the roots and source of our lives, and they tell us where we are formed and where we are going. In a world where we often don't know where we are headed, I want to remind you that through our baptism and at the table, God breaks in. God dwells with us through the scripture, through the stories of our ancestors, the saints, and through each of us here in this community of faith and beyond our doors. God dwells with us here and now and then and in the yet to come. God is in the beginning and in the end and death does not have the last word. And with that promise, I say thanks be to God for all you saints here today. Amen.